0: welcome back to out of your league you silly little buggers uh where have you been mark what have you been doing this week um, i know what you've been doing yep yeah, i
1: did a 10k manchester 10k with oh, you okay yeah beat you by a couple of minutes you did whatever yeah. it was a nice run wasn't it no you it wasn't were, i hated every second of it i didn't like it you were very annoying to run with i, I, know, I know you were only why well, didn't you ran me. with me for a couple of k's and then i, I sped yeah. off but you were very annoying you made some
0: noises negative comments
1: it's like a little did I? train yeah
0: I didn't think i made any noise yeah, you... yeah I just let you go off I did say to you just leave me behind go off mm, go you did off and, um... whereas in the
1: gym we've trained a bit together in the gym and yeah. you you've grunt and groaned yeah. like to be the center of
0: attention no I think it's just yeah. it's just, there's yeah. demons there's things inside me trying to get yeah. out Well, like Brian blessed having an hour yeah, so you 40 48 minutes that's good is that good for an athlete for someone who has been an athlete for um years?
1: it was okay yeah I didn't really do that much training yeah. just a couple of runs yeah but yeah
0: but we, you, no. I know, and I got and I got 50 minutes in 13 seconds, which was yeah. nice because I tried to get under 50. But yeah, it's been pathetic, and then I spent the 10 minutes looking at myself in the mirror, saying I'm pathetic. Yeah. In the changing room, I was, that? I was behind you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are. Yes, you are. Yeah, pathetic. you are. You pathetic, pathetic, pathetic. Yeah, pathetic. Wish I hadn't done it. Um, but you bought the pictures. I saw as well. I, I bought, that you bought the You bought yeah. the pictures off the. Because you I paid woke... 25 pounds for that
1: picture. No, no, it was a lot less for one. I had <laughs> evidence that I'd done it? Right, and you were in a fist to
0: have a picture with. so I no, what's next? what's next marathon you did no i think i've um that's I've it running days yeah, yeah. at the top um episode eight by this uh, by the way of the new series Do you mm. know that we've done eight eight yeah. um how many was just me and you do you think it's going well or, or, i or think it's getting better and better, better each week yeah. yeah do
1: you think we're? do you think you're got rid of the deadwood yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we didn't receive He's on a... another podcast now that yeah that we didn't receive it. a transfer fee for him did we
0: i wonder if people are listening to that podcast now more than ours um
1: what would do what would a transfer be fee be but for, the, for, for the, him the don't
0: the say r- isn't it yeah. uh i'd say 12
1: Fred f- 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 bentos pies
0: no I'd, yeah two pies of stella no a bit more than that i'd say yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say i'd say you, i mean I, i'd sell him for 400 pounds
1: yeah just as a person like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we've had some great guests on this year mark we've had paul wellens we've had Carl patrick we've had adrian morley just to name a few all available by the way to go and watch and download on youtube do you ever do you ever look back and oh, watch back? Think I'll, look at your performance. What you could have yeah, said better? Yeah, questions yeah. you could have asked. You ever thought like, oh, I wish I'd do a bit that. of a review. Don't do that today because we are joined this week by Tim Laffey, everybody from the Salford Red Devils, Mark. Oh, what your old team! What <laughs> yeah. a club! What a team! Did you know, Tim, that that Mark used to play for the no, Salford Red I had Devils? To remind you. Did you? I <laughs> didn't, to be honest. Did you know who Mark was, to <laughs> be honest? Actually, you I did. he didn't. <laughs> no offense, no, no, at least lied, Tim. You didn't. At least lied. Did you not play against each other in Australia? When yeah to remind him. Yeah. <laughs> that must be really annoying, Mark. You have to you have to remind Paul Vaughan that as well, didn't you? Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it happens um, a lot. A player i think mark it's fair to say he's had a pretty decent impact on super league since he came to i was going to say he didn't remember me I yeah, was yeah. Quite now don't say that now amount. say like i don't think he's been shit. yeah <laughs> 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 hyped overhyped yeah. 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 yeah how are you tim
2: nah, not too bad man thanks for having me on guys
0: Well, you, you want to be here basically and like your missus isn't going to listen to this but you, you've got a busy house i mean you? you've got four kids yeah, mate. The, the, so, this um, is paradise for you. Just this is, down, uh, yeah, this Two is, strangers,
2: who you don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a six hour podcast. So, I um, <laughs> walking at midnight. Just, off. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, it's been a long day, babe. Are the kids asleep yet? Yeah, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I want to get your story because I, I, I had to do a bit of reading right back to the early days, and I'm fascinated by sort of how you've turned everything around and, and where you're at these days. Um, you were born in, I'm going to try and pronounce this, Satui Tua? Sakawa. Oh, so, a T is a cat. A ca-
2: yeah, oh, like Sakawa. if you um, if it's posh like Satawa. okay. If you're like t- talking to a politician or something, but like in general, Saitoa. Will, Will thinks he's so, posh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <that> <laughs> I we think Sakawa, You can mate. You. Sakawa. okay.
0: Tell tell us about Sakawa, People watching who don't know what that is. Oh, that just is. a
2: small village um, on the other island of Samoa, so not on the main one. You got the main one where the city is of Apia. Mm. We're on another small one um, you know, up in the in the jungle there. Mm. Um, so it's a very little. Uh, tiny little village with you know. what are we
0: talking population wise?
2: So. Oh, probably a couple of thousands. Wow. Yeah, um, you know, the toilet. The toilet's about a 50 metre walk into bush, and you got this. The toilet's this, are 50 metre walk. This wooden bush. wooden hole. For the whole. I village. remember memory as a kid because I was born there. Walking my dad walking me through the bush and just sitting on this wooden thing square. You get the bucket and you, oh. you tip it. <laughs> <But> how how <laughs>
0: many people have to piss in that?
2: You can't just go in the in no, the the family, just my family's toilet right. so um, and the old banana leaves toilet paper. It's organic, so I guess it's <laughs> alright. <laughs> oh wow. mate, but, yeah. Do you uh,
0: do you would you use a banana leaf more than twice? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you've got to double, double fold Wash it, as the stringers street. are going through <laughs> it's like being in Salford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Don't mug off yeah. Salford, Mark, cause <laughs> we have a lot of people who are very touchy about that. We're not, you know, because John used to pick on you, didn't he, about Salford? Yeah, it's fine. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> <so> <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, how, how proud are you of your Samoan heritage when you think back to those early days as well?
2: Oh, very proud. It's um, a humbling beginning. To go from you know that small island, just a little island kid, uh, you know kicking a coke bottle around as a f- um rugby ball with mm-hmm. his brother and and um for my mum and dad to take us you know out of there to give us a better life, um took us to New Zealand first, and then that's when I found love for rugby union first, mm-hmm. watching john lomi and i do not want to get on to
0: that yet because I'm still focused on 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 yeah on Samoa, and like, yeah you're good, yeah your so your dad Senio?
2: yeah yeah. Is that how you yeah, say yeah, it? Yeah, that right.
0: oh, yeah. No. I thought an N might be an S. Yeah. So I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that. Um, so, so your dad used to, um, I hear, walk for miles to to get food. He used to have to sometimes go fishing to, to bring food into the to the family house. I mean, that that, that is a completely different life to what you, you've become used to, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. So there'll be um, days and nights where, you know, mum would look after, it was four of us at the time. Um, and dad will go for a few days because he has to walk, you know, miles and um, miles to, to get us dinner through um, bush, you know. To get to he will be sleeping like on the water at the beach, somewhere just to go fishing and then come back. Um, and that that was just a normal thing back then, for for us kids. That that is some but way to hum- make someone humble, isn't it? it?
1: Life, is so, it's its simplest mm. form. Um, you don't really think as it's, it's not too too far in the future that. You know, we live in the Western world where we've got everything we need, kitchens, cookers, whatever, mm. supermarkets. That's, that's life as, as raw as it gets, really, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. It's a um, good life lesson, you know, and opens your eyes up now, you know, you yourself being a father um, you know, for my kids and you know, what I can tell them and show them you know, how, how great they got it.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm just trying to like paint the picture for everyone listening as well. You lived in a, in a house which was essentially like, you know, posts, wooden posts with a tin roof um, and there was this one moment, wasn't there, where, where a cyclone came through the village and came through through the island. Yeah. And
2: your your auntie had bought you uh, a little toy airplane. Yeah, t- yeah. Tell that story for it. Yeah, that memory. For some reason, you know, I don't remember a lot of things, but that one sticks with me. Um it was just a you know pretty much like what you said, the four pillars just holding you know a roof up, and um, you know, a cyclone hit um, our village and. You, know, you can see the water rising up in that and everything you know, everything's just getting blown and absolutely demolished. And I remember as a kid just sitting there and just seeing my toy airplane that was built for me, you know, um, and just seeing it being washed away. And I was just, you know, yeah, it was just something that's sat with me for for my entire life. Mm. Do, do you miss those days, though, in some
0: way, even though obviously life is very different now? do you, Do you miss that that sort of far more simple,
2: simple way of living? definitely um, I've gone back to Samoa a few times and um, just seeing how happy you know happy those um, our, our people are and um, how simple you know they're living life you know in this complicated world it's it's um yeah a part of me does miss it and a part of me wants to take my kids and wife back there just to show them, you know, where um, their dad kind of grew up. Mm. And, and you when you were telling that airplane
0: story, I mean, you were you were a toddler then weren't you sort of like four or five years old before you guys moved to, to New Zealand. Was it was it a thing in mum and dad's eyes to to move away, to help better the family, to give you more opportunity
2: in life? Yeah, it was because um, we had my uncles living in New Zealand and mum and dad could see that we weren't going to get a better life if we stayed where we were and um, thankfully enough, they made that choice and decision to take us over, overseas to New Zealand and for them to start working, you know, um, a job that can provide for us and give us that better life. And you didn't speak a word of English, right, at this point?
0: I mean, I know you're only, what, four or five years old, but you, you grew up speaking Samoan. Yeah, yeah?
2: that's why I that, because, yeah, I, I couldn't speak English and then going to school. <laughs> I was um, a bit hard for myself that's and crazy. my siblings. It was, um, Yeah, you got all these kids, yeah, confused, these kids talking to me and I'm just like nodding my head and speaking Samoan back to them, and it was just, yeah, it was a good learning curve for me because it was um, where i started uh, learning English um, until this day. I still can't speak English. My wife has to correct me on some no, some sentences, you're mate. You're better English than Mark already. <laughs> they better now. Than me. Yeah.
1: now, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of Samoans moved to Auckland and other parts of New Zealand, but Christchurch is still quite separate in terms of immigration from the island. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it is. It's um, yeah. Um, for some reason, yeah, a lot a lot of the Islanders go from say Samoa, or Tonga, they go to Auckland or Wellington. Um And for myself, it was Christchurch because that's where Mum's dad was, right. our grandpa, and so um, she wanted us there, and um, there was a better opportunity for Mum and Dad to get work there, and for us to be around, um, you know, her dad, yeah, and, a bit of, yeah, a bit of family, yeah, just to help um, around there so yeah I was a crushish boy. <laughs>
0: do, do you remember that setting you back though not being able to speak the language do you remember not being able to sort of make friends and to interact at school and to, I mean sitting in a class and not understanding what the hell's going on?
2: Yeah there was days where um, you know, I'll just be playing by myself in the playground or um, i was just be like I want to go back to the islands <laughs> because um, you know I'm not fitting in here or it's you know um, just just hard to kind of adapt. Did you, Did you feel lonely then you felt like a bit of a
0: recluse in that sense i mean what what was the moment where you you felt included at that age
2: i think it was rugby for me um you know because obviously english was was foreign to us so i guess it was um when it comes to sports or something um rugby was something that was big there and luckily enough i was i was good at it as a kid when i started running around in that and then that's when i started making friends and that's yeah probably the turning point of me wanting to stay there there was a point, wasn't there, where
0: you, your mum and dad saved up to buy your rugby ball. You and your brother is it Caleb, your brother?
2: Yeah, Caleb. Yeah, because at that time we were just kicking around a coke bottle over the <laughs> um, parallel lines, you know. And so we we're just using whenever we had like an empty coke bottle or milk bottle. We'll just be kicking that around, and Mum and Dad had to save up until Christmas, and then we it's got a good this. for Coke. that not it, Tap drink it, or you can play yeah, yeah, Exactly, cool. <laughs> made dreams come true. Yeah. <laughs> flat
0: Coke ball. but like that. Take t- take us back to that moment then with your brother, because they're all they're such organic moments, something mm. natural moments. Like you get your hands on that ball, and, and you kind of all that that was the beginning of everything, right? What we see today.
2: Yeah, it was. Once you know, it was it probably was the cheapest rugby ball Mum Dad you know, could find, and. But to us, it was like the best thing ever because um, it just yeah opened up so many doors for you know me and him to find extra love for the game and we we're just outside until you know the sun went down, kicking that ball around and it was, it was the best feeling. Mm. You, you mentioned
0: Jonah with there. I mean, Mark, you remember John Loma as a oh, guy. I used to love watching that guy. That '95 World Cup. Oh, just,
1: he just—he was the the guy that put rugby on the map in terms mm. of a world sport. He was so. <clears throat> so dynamic as a player and as a personality, just br- broke boundaries and um, was such an ambassador for the game. He was amazing.
0: Mm. I think Mike Cat's still picking himself out of the grass at Twickenham. <laughs>
2: remember he got yeah. t- absolutely stomped got five
1: tries that game, didn't
2: he? He was unbelievable.
0: Because he,
1: he's Samoan descent, isn't he?
2: I think he's Tongan. Is he Tongan? Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, yeah, I just seen him as this figure of like, well, I want to be, I want to be like him. I wanna Play on the big stage, and you know. um. But you you were so you were were you in the stadium when he came to play against the Crusaders? Yeah, so Crusaders was my favorite team, and my uncle and dad um, took us, took me and my brother to a game, and so that's when Crusaders had uh, Justin Marshall, Andrew Mertens, yeah, um, and they were versing. I think it was Waikato. uh, That's who John Lobo was versing. Yeah, Chiefs, Um, and there was this small Samoan winger for Crusaders, and then I looked, you know, upset, or there was this big being tongue and like Ran yeah over. i was like that? And he had the fringe just down yeah yeah that and must
0: have been it, 95 then how did the world Cup? yeah
2: yeah and i was just in awe as a kid you look at and like wow i want to be like that yeah <laughs> they they are important moments only that you remember that you just that that probably lit a flame in your head right i think definitely yeah because like i said it's, um something that's you know, stuck in my head you know for all these years and it's what probably um, inspired me to, you know, start playing rugby and um, yeah, just try to be like him.
1: And he brought the mould. Wingers didn't look like John Almond mm. back then, did they? Yeah, that's they? the thing. They is. were small and fast. They weren't like as big as a flanker in Union, but mm. then fast as anybody on the field. Mm. He completely yeah. brought the mould and probably was a trailblazer for a lot of the wingers we see today. Les Cole, Ryan Hall, yeah. you can go yeah. through hundreds mm. of them.
0: So sad. Forty years old. Yeah, mm. incredible. Was Tonight, same age as me. Gone. A kidney? Was it kidney failure. Failure. Yeah. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so at this stage, um, were, were you playing? Cause you're, you're 31 now, so I'm thinking I'm 10, 9 years older than you. You would have been, you know, you'd have been youngster, wouldn't you? Like mm. seven, six, seven years old. Were, were, you, were you playing union at that stage in in New Zealand?
2: Yeah, so we were playing uh, for a club called Merlins, um, uh in our hometown there, and uh, rugby was obviously the sport. And they didn't have my age group, so I had to kind of play two years um older with my older brother mm. and yeah it was just um the best best thing ever i knew i was right in where, I, where i was meant to be and running around with my brother you know next to me was a pretty awesome feeling as a kid and um it was then where i knew what i wanted to be so you, you were always there's
0: a theme here as well you were always playing with the bigger boys right you were the kind of quick talented younger guy that everyone thought
2: yeah a bit yeah, about him. yeah yeah i knew nothing about age groups all i seen was just like bodies and just wanted to um play with my older brother and Running around, you know, on that paddock. So yeah. So this point, right? You you're on the move again. So you've you've gone from Samoa
0: to to Christchurch, and you sort of settled there, and you've made friends, and you've made us, you know, schoolmates, and you're starting to play rugby and so on. And then you're off to Sydney in 1999. Yeah. Did, did, did you want to be moving around as much as this, and why 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 off again on the travels?
2: Nah, no, definitely. I think that was probably one of the hardest moves because by then I've already established a good community and good group of friends. I could finally fit in and speak English a bit. Um, and, you know, I was loving my rugby there. So, uh, dad's um, brother, so my 10th uncle, he's. How many uncles have you got? How <laughs> nah, many right. uncles have you got? They could be. You know, <laughs> Might be now, yeah. <laughs> If he's Ireland, though, he could be my uncle. <laughs> 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 um, so, he's you know popped up an opportunity for dad to come over and work with him. Um, and he's you know sold this dream to dad that there's a better lifestyle in Australia Um Western for, Sydney. Yeah, in Western Sydney, mate, for um, you know, him and his his family. So mum and dad's just going, yep, don't worry. screw your childhood, <laughs> don't worry about your friends in mate. We're moving to Australia in Sydney. So um, and it's a funny story because he showed us a pamphlet and it was the Opera House I love and, this, yeah. and the Harbour Bridge, and I'm, like as a kid who was eight or nine, I'm looking and these weird like you know. Triangular shape, I'm like, are we actually going to live inside there? Like, I can't believe. Like, <laughs> spaceship. I can't like, yeah, believe God, we're living. just, said, yeah, just get on the plane. <laughs> it's, This is the future. This like, is so different from the banana shack yeah, yeah, yeah. that we were <laughs> in five years yeah. ago then. We're going to these like triangular shaped houses, like, but it's the opera house. And then we landed, and I'm waking up, and we're driving. And I'm just waking up. Which I driving feel like this housing commission area right? I like hey, I'm a housing commission kid, so um it's just I'm looking at it like this is not the place he showed That's us. So disappointing there's no water here. <laughs> there's this there's is no not beaches the here. <laughs> yeah. this is shit up. So yeah, I was a bit disappointed as a kid, right? so, um Have you forgiven yeah. him? <laughs> yeah, I've finally, finally forgiven him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which uncle then was responsible for the the sort of the, the change of gear
2: in, in looking at Rugby League? Uh, it was dad's friends. Because so when we moved to Australia, I was obviously still looking for Union Club. Um, and in Australia at that time, Union wasn't as big. And to travel to the games, it was like always 40 to an hour minute drive. Mm. Um, and Rugby League was always like 10, 15 minutes. It was a club everywhere. And so I was playing rugby union, and then his friend said, "You know, you should try give your son a run at rugby league. It's pretty similar." It's closer. Yeah, and it's closer. (laughs) You You drive drive an hour or fifteen minutes. (laughs) Dad waited up. Were they they thinking sort of (laughs) technically
0: as well? That you you know, were they looking that analytically as you as a player, or they just thought, "Why not give it a go?" You know,
2: do they think that you can actually make it more as a league player than a union? Uh, I think they were just like. It was more for my dad. To stop driving in <laughs> <laughs> there. It, was it wasn't about but me. Mate, it was, a, it was about saving you know, petrol. Was, mate. D- don't even, don't even life. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and probably you know, for more, for making more, uh, for me to make more friends. Because um, yeah, my friends were playing league. Anyways, I went and had my first crack at rugby league, and I fell to the floor and I placed the ball back, and everyone's looking at me like, "Get up, get up." And I was like, "What?" He's <laughs> like, "No, no, you got to get up and play with your your foot." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> it's not like rugby union." So anyway, yeah. Bit that, there from there, I yeah <laughs> so I learned from there that you got to, you know, it's quite different to rugby union. And you had a you had an
1: interesting crew of um, lads that you used to play with in your local area, mentor. So who was on the list? Was it Israel Falau?
2: Yeah. So I. had um, actually didn't play for Mitte Corrers because again, they didn't have my age group. Yeah. But I was, um, my brother was playing there and I would go and um, you know train with him and that. But you had, yeah, in that same com- um, housing commission area, um, everyone would always play t- touch footy, which is um, you know, touch rugby on a paddock right in front of um, Izzy Folau's house. And you had the Payer brothers, um, uh, McGuinness, the Guinness brothers, uh, the P- uh, or was it um Folau, Christian Inu, Jared Haynes, wow. we all grew up in that same Housing Commission area.
1: That's the crew though isn't it? Yeah it was, it was yeah.
2: um and as you know I remember because I was a kid playing I was like wow look and I, I think they were playing SG ball or something which is under 18s so they weren't cracking it yet but I was just thinking man look at these guys playing for like you know Roosters and um mm-hmm. all those and are clubs that I watch on tv I was, they, I was inspired again. Is that yeah. where the dream started? Where you thought, actually, do you know what I want to play NRL? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and when Hainesy, uh, Inu, um, Falao and that started making their debuts, the Payer brothers, I was just like in awe. Like you know, here kids from the same block as me, yeah. you know, um, started from from nothing, and you know, they just shows you know if you believe in it, you know, yeah. you, you can you can just do it.
1: It makes it tangible. I think it's like. If you see people that are up from your area reach those heights, it makes it believable for you, doesn't it? And yeah, kind of makes you think that you can do it as well. It's really important and
2: hundred really
0: percent important. Yeah. Was it, so then take us from playing outside Israel Falau's garden outside his front room yeah. to to then Canterbury looking at you and 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 having a sniff and coming through the ranks there.
2: Yeah, because so yeah, well I was always just going you know, playing touch footy uh, with those those lads there, um, and then. So I played SU Ball 2 uh, at Rabados, but then nothing came off it. Um, so, and I was still in high school. And then once I finished high school, they didn't want to re sign me. I went and played um, park rugby just you know, for my local at Campbelltown, East Campbelltown, um, playing Ron Massey. So it's like um, not reserves, he's probably just under under that. And you know, I was just 18 then, and we are versing like men. We were the team that everyone looks forward to versing to get there. If they were struggling to get their form back, <laughs> with well, that team that you could put fifty on, mm. um, so I was just playing just to play with my mates again and I'm working at the same time. And then that's when the Bulldogs recruit um, Pete Mulholland come in and, and said, "Hey mate, you know we're struggling in the centres in our under twenties for Bulldogs. How would you like to um, you know, come have a run with us?" And I'm thinking, oh, oh this is awesome, man!" Mm. Like, yeah, for sure. In my head, I'm thinking I'm just going forward training, you know. Um, trained that week. And then the coach was like Andy Patmore, he was saying, Oh, we we're going to need you to play this week. So that week I went into training, didn't know anyone's name, didn't know any of the plays. I made debut in the um, under 20s. And then the following year I was under 20s again and then made my made my debut for Bulldogs cause Josh uh, Morris got injured. And then, yeah.
0: Sliding doors moments, aren't they? It's amazing just being sort of not right place, right time. You obviously had the, the skills and things about you. Mm. But who believed in you then? Who are the people that you look back and think they were the ones who pushed me in that direction. Were Mum and Dad thinking that th- this kid can do
2: it? Yeah. Look, um, not many people um, believed in me because you know usually if you're going to crack it in that first grade spot, you want to get signed after shoe ball, mm. and I did and I had some you were old of, in that sense. Wasn't yeah, you? yeah, um, which is under 18s. So I kind of had to go back and um, play park footy, and for me, I was just thinking, just you know, stick with it. You know, believe in myself and the process and. Um, and I had to work because i finished high school too so uh there wasn't many people believed in me other than my mum dad and my brother and uh, my sisters and um you know I, I thanked him for sticking by me
0: what's that moment like when you pull on <coughs> that that bulldog's top and walk out in the stadium as an nrl player having sort of achieved that dream you know going from israel for and and, and yeah. your boys in the in the backyard
2: yeah it was it was surreal it was like i couldn't believe it running out of because it was at ANZ ANZ stadium too wow. so it's so a stadium that I was Watched Origin, you know NRL grand finals. Um, I always just, as a kid, being like, oh, I'd love just to play on there one day and to be able to, you know, put that um, jersey on and make my debut on there. And it was against um, Rabados who had my favorite favorite player, Greg Inglis. So you know, we've had Greg on, Mark, haven't we? He's been on the podcast, Greg. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah. Wow, was, yeah. was
0: he on yeah. here when he was at yeah. Warrington? Do you know what? we yeah. had him on during? Yeah, during lockdown, we we did him on Zoom, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, a long time ago, three yeah. four years Got ago. About that.
1: yeah. All the big names all the big hey, names you, no, that's yeah. fine.
0: Mm. so i mean when you think of that time then um in australia 170 i think you made appearances didn't you in the nrl for saint george as well and yeah yeah, yeah. Sp- spelled back at canterbury um what, what what do you what are your memories what's your, your lasting memories now when you look back a few years on
2: um memories now is yeah obviously my um debut and scoring on debut uh playing in the gf there um the anzac tests ang sorry the anzac match uh dragons between the dragons and roosters Mm -hmm. that's pretty massive back home um you know yeah it was like always fifty thousand you know and at the stadium there and yeah that was another one that um stuck with me because you have the whole airplanes and you know the um, soldiers you know and it's for a great occasion Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's something that stuck with me too and obviously
0: played in the grand final that you mentioned but 2014 against three of the burgesses yeah, uh, yeah. When Sam's jaw was hanging off and, and Jammer was there as well. What a, what a match that was.
2: Mate, That was, yeah, you know, it's a memory that will still last, you know, forever with me. Um, would have been better if we won, but, you know, he can't win no more. But just I remember, yeah, Sammy, my, you english flags i'll give it to you you're tough yeah we are. <laughs> you breed them tough me and sam are really yeah. tough <laughs> 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 you, you don't remember playing against mark that you was, was, no, about, was
0: it about 2011
1: mark? he was looking at my shoulder before and thought oh i remember <laughs> yeah one yeah. Of them.
0: yeah he's probably still got a bit of sam's jaw on him somewhere were you, yeah. clo- were you close to that incident we actually can't think where you were on the pitch at that but point I actually
2: yeah i actually was were you
0: playing right center or
2: left right center right so he was yeah because that's where he that's did kick the center. kick the kick return so, uh, he he was feet? running off. Oh, please don't run this way. <laughs> 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 running, you see him and Jammer just first ones out. And mate, two big heads as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two big uh, cow heads. Yeah. yeah. C- just, could you believe
0: he kept playing? Because I not believe first, it. Like, I didn't like know he did it. With That's, it.
2: That's the thing. I didn't know he he broke his he broke something on his face. And until like I didn't even know after the game. Until like a week later in the papers, and I think he this bloke play with a broken eye socket or jaw and mm. yeah. mate, didn't he get did he get the he got Dallium, yeah. yeah he got yeah. the man of the match for that yeah
1: ironically the next scrum after it happened jammer said sam sam your face looks like a drop pie <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like gym, jammer yeah. yeah that's, that's definitely good.
2: that's definitely a jammer Are moment you
0: <laughs> when, now you've had an experience and we'll get on to, to Salford days in a minute but now you've sort of dipped your toe in, in Super League. What, what what are the main differences? I ask everyone who comes on this podcast like, and, and we always kind of get different answers. A lot of people say when they come here, the crowds, the atmospheres are far more ferocious, even though they're not as big in mm. number. But when you look back to, to those days, was the NRL everything, everything it was hyped up to be for you?
2: Yeah, NRL um, was definitely uh, what I dreamed it to be. Um, you know, the crowd and the atmosphere, the, um, the you know, the players uh, and it was just yeah it was uh unforgettable um career that i had there it's something i always remember and cherish and the the friendships you make you know um i still talk to a few of the boys from there
0: mm. but but the microscope is on you right it's yeah more that's, oh Be- yeah definitely business
2: yeah 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 i've had a few tough runs um you know a few tough years over there because yeah you're just like under the microscope and in the spotlight um you know the whole time so um, it's a bit like footballers over here you know it's,
0: so it's more ruthless do you, do you feel sort of let down by clubs in the sense that you, you can just be sort of treated a bit like a bit of meat and dropped and there's no sort of you know aftercare package of of, of when you're injured for example
2: mm. at that time i didn't think much of it as a young kid but um towards the last few years of my in our career i didn't really enjoy it mm. um you know, oh, just because of that reason like i started realizing that you know we are just it's a business and you know we're just assets and like what you said like a um piece, piece of, of meat, meat piece of meat for them mm. um you know once you start getting into that age bracket and you know the form isn't too well then they can quickly forget you know what you've done mm. done for them so um loads of people said that mark i mean you know, did, did you feel that at all i know you weren't there long you
1: know, but i I'd, i found it towards the back end of my career that we're just an asset and we're easily expendable mm. and if yeah. you're not playing well, it doesn't really matter. And yeah. as I've got as I got older, I'll, I was I was more comfortable with it. Mm. Yeah. But as a younger player, you think they care more about you, and I yeah, think it's quite yeah. naive. And mm. it's probably, you know, the the, the the young young man in me just thinks that they love me as much as I love them, and there's mm. a bit of a relationship between the club. But it's very transactional. It's all about performance and money and winning and losing and. Mm.
0: Um, well, Brody Croft said it didn't he, when he was at the Broncos, and obviously that was a big move. And, and he was kind of, mm. you know, one minute you built up and you're the star and you're yeah, on the front yeah. page and the back page and everything, and then you might be on the front of the back page for the wrong reasons. And yeah, they, and they'll dig away at that. Do, do you think that's less so over here then when you like? I mean, you go. You I think
1: it's the same in all sports, in all countries, and all size of club and profile. I think it's it's just the the fact that it's it, it, it's it's more magnified over there and it's probably played out in the public more mm. than over here, but. You're easily expendable in the NRL as as you are in Super League and um yeah, I think unfortunately the the sooner that young players realise that, the better they'll and the more equipped they will be to, to, mm. to react to it.
0: Yeah. Um I, I know you've talked about this a lot before, Tim, and tell me if you don't want to, but um, you know, you've 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 struggled and you've come through, you know, the other side of, of mental health issues. <clears throat> um lockdown was difficult for for many people in many different ways, wasn't mm.
2: it? But why, why was it so hard for you, do you think? I think for me, because um, I knew that was the last year of my contract and going into lockdown, not being able to play. You know, we need to be on the field to be able um, to show clubs you know, what we have. Like That's where we um, you know, get our contracts from, being on the field. So um, that kind of pressure, um, you know, providing for your family um, it kind of creeps in and starts to get at you in your head and then you start just going into this whole... Um, Downward spiral in your head, yeah. Do you, do you
1: bottle things up or do you, do you talk about your feelings?
2: That's the thing uh, with me back then. Uh, I, I bottle things up. You know, I've been taught as a, you know, um, in my culture or you know, as a kid, um, I've never been shown that side to be able to open up to my dad. So a lot of things I hold hold in until it's like a steaming teapot. You hold it in for so long and then when it comes out, it just um, comes out raging. And that, that was that was me. Mm-hmm. You say in your in your background in your upbringing, you mean, you mean
0: sort of is that is that a Samoan thing? Is that an Islander thing? Yeah, that, I that, think that, that
2: it's, you that kind of you know there are bigger
0: problems. We got to eat. We got to you know survive.
2: Yeah, um, it could be. Yeah, an island. I, I definitely think it's an Islander thing. We've never been shown a side of affection um, from from our dads, like um, or parents. You know, like and there's nothing. that's nothing against them. It's just how they were probably brought up to. Um, very rarely we, we would hear, "I love you." Or, you know, if we felt like, you know, we were having issues at school or um, having an off game, you know, it would be like, oh, that's right. It was never like that. It would be like, oh, not good enough. It would always be like, you know, not good enough. What why why are you playing for? Um, so, you know, you take that in as a kid and then, um, you know, when you, you get tested, you know, in your career, you kind of have that um, in the back of your head. So you don't want to bring things out. Did did you not feel loved as a kid? Even though they you know they provided for you. you oh, know? I definitely felt love, but it was never verbal. Um, mm. Do you know what I mean? It was never like ne- from that. I I learned from that experience as a parent now. You know, I do the whole complete opposite. You know, mm. if my son needs to cry or um, he's having off day or off game, I just you know pat him on the back like it's all right, buddy. Mm. And I, I never got that from my from my dad. Um, it was always just tough love, I guess. It's an interesting one because, I mean, like, even even you, Mark,
0: with, you know, with your parents and like certainly with mine and a lot of them were born in that post-war generation where it was kind of just stiff up a lip, get on with things, Yeah, yeah. It? And, and uh, I'm not saying that we had the same struggles or certainly I didn't in terms yeah. of survival or whatever, but it was more affection was shown in actions, right? Rather mm. than sitting down and, and that, that's maybe where the world has changed. Because particularly during lockdown, I remember there was this whole conversation about, you know, a generation of people who couldn't just sit down and shut the fuck up for, for Three months and be paid on what's yeah. it called furlough and stuff like that you know like we oh, yeah. we made this big issue didn't we about oh look at us poor old us like we, we're literally having to stay at home mm. and watch netflix it's quite easy there's two ways of looking at it aren't
1: there? yeah that's yeah so summarizing it but they're not looking at the intricacies of people's struggles and p- what people mm. rely on which is you know being social being having um Employment and have a future and stability mm. uh, providing for the family. And there's, there's so many things that go on in people's lives that just to summarize as staying at home and getting paid is, is a bit ridiculous for me. But just touching on what, what Tim said, I, I think those formative early years can mold you as a person. And if mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you you would have had loads of love in your family, but probably not that obvious. And you can, I think there's a thing about probably um, some cultures where. They don't verbalize that love but also uh with masculinity you're kind of taught not to share your feelings and just to suck it up and get on with it and not to show weakness but it's okay to show weakness at mm. times and it's okay it's okay to ask for help or discuss your feelings and i think i've been a person in the past that's probably bottled things up and just tried to get on with it but mm. i don't i don't think that ends up in in, in the most positive outcome
0: really mm. no, no and that's not me but belittling <coughs> no, 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 the, the, not. the, the lockdown situation i think it it, it magnified uh and it and it sort of put mental health mental health more on the map that that it and it needed to be that right you know because people were in situations where particularly if you if you didn't have a family life and the people around you pe- yeah. people you didn't realize they they were lonely for example mm. um what what kind of emotions were and I know that the main thing you said there was that you, the fact that you couldn't provide for your kids right yeah. this time you got four young kids and your wife Jackie um and and you were unsure about the future. Obviously, you didn't know when the, when NRL was going to restart. You had the contract thing up in the air as well. Yeah. Just, yeah. just try and sort of sum up that, that
2: moment for us emotionally. Um, oh, it was, it was stressful, um, you know, and I got kind of the hint um, that the club wasn't going to re-sign me at, at Dragons at that time. So it was um, quite stressful and, um, you know, when it happened, when my mental break happened, it was, um, I took it out on my wife and you know, the house. I don't know if you read the article, but... Um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about that. And obviously, we don't want to pry, but as we're here
0: and it's all on the table and it's out there anyway, but th- th- so there was a situation on the, the Good Friday in, in, in 2020. Yeah, yeah. You ended up being arrested, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that had to um, sedate me from what I remember because um, it was just over a little, just a little, um, something that could have been solved again by me just opening up and, you know, talking to my wife, but um, because I had so much bottled up in me, um, she says something and I just snapped and, um, yeah, before you know it, um, you know, furniture's flying across the house and um, and I'm not thinking at that time. At that time, I'm just, like, blacked out, like, you know. Um, And then I've gone and just grabbed straight bottles, walked downstairs and just started um, drinking it. Scolding it and then just started smashing the walls down there, grabbing a sledgehammer, walking around the backyard. And then I think it was the neighbors that called the cops because um, he seen me and he heard a lot of it. Um, and then she's she's called one of our um, our good neighbors, Junior Moan, he's at Dragons. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, he was only young. He was only, because I was training with him. Uh, he was only just finished SG ball and he would come over and we would train together. So she's called, apparently, I don't remember this, but she's called him to come and try to calm me down and he wasn't getting through to me and then she's apparently she's called her brother and oh, my brother and her sisters to come um save parrot and i didn't remember any of these people coming over by then um nothing's has through to me and they've taken the kids they to a whole different whole different room and then that's when the cops were there and then the ambulance came in and just sedated me and then just woke up in the hospital. <laughs> but there must be millions of
0: people, particularly men in the world, that have felt like doing that. And it felt like, you know, exploding and breaking yeah. out or whatever. And it's maybe something that they've never done, but mm. then they've, they've been on the verge of doing it. Did you, did you sort of feel that that weak building to that moment?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's been, yeah, building up. And um, unfortunately, you know, um, my wife and kids were the one that copped it. Um, lucky I didn't physically touch them, but it was, um, yeah it's not something nice that sits with me, you know, especially knowing that my kids were there um what is that is that the biggest thing that they saw that and that yeah yeah you have to kind my of son, try explain yeah to yeah. You. yeah, and trying to explain explain that to them it's um yeah something I always um beat myself up on and um i will learn from um you know moving forward um as as a dad uh, is not the example I want to set for my for my boy um yeah alone my girls um so yeah, it was definitely tough. I uh, I I really appreciate
0: you being this open with this but you know how how do you go about explaining something like that to your kids because because you, you want to don't you and you want to, them to know that that's not that like you've mm. that, that's something that you've gone on to address
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, it's um you know it's something that um luckily they haven't brought up. Um I know my oldest daughter probably remembers. I'm not sure about my son but um you know it's it's a good teaching lesson for myself um so I can know teach him that it's okay to open up to me with any struggles in life whether it's small big and it's okay to be vulnerable um because yeah i guess the positive out of that is um i can now teach him you know a better life lesson well
0: what was it like the next day i assume you woke up in a Mm. cell the next day
2: no i woke up in a hospital um so i was strapped to a hospital bed um so yeah i was knocked out for whatever they sedated me with um I woke up in a hospital bed, and I had these handcuffs on on the bed. And I was like, um, "That must have been a shock." Yeah, I was confused. I was like, "What the heck? Um, what happened?" Like, last thing I remember was just throwing like a chair across the across the um, the lounge room, going downstairs, and you know, drinking some hard liquor. And then that's all I remembered was that. Um, and then waking up here, um, I was just like, just kind of panicked. I was like, mm. "What's going on here?" And then I was still drowsy. And then the police were there um, and the nurse um, who was looking after me, he's like, oh, just calm down. You just, um, you've had a mental breakdown and we've um, sedated you, some heavy stuff, Um, just calm down. And I'm just like trying to ask him, where's my wife and kids, are they okay? And um, yeah, it was quite
0: confusing. How do you try and understand that? I mean, you know, what essentially is a mental breakdown? How did they explain
2: it to you of how you then try and cope with that going forward? They didn't um at that time they didn't give me any full details of um you know what I've done or um what's happened. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of just um more worried about me and trying to making sure I don't um you know um go on another rage. so um it wasn't until they put me um in a psych ward I was in there for i think a week um then they explained like you know slowly um um each stage of what happened.
0: I mean that, that's a big thing to take, isn't
2: it? Especially when you're a
0: family man, and you know, and you're thinking about your kids, and you're thinking about your wife, and obviously your future with them. Which is great that you've now got this future with them. But t- trying to understand what's going on in your own head, in that you know, like essentially, was it the alcohol? Was it the chemical imbalance? Mm. Was it a combination? And it's something that you've had to learn to to sort of address. And to, uh, it's not something that that ever goes right. You have to to maintain that the whole time.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Definitely. It's um it's something that you know it's taught me that there's another way um because as a kid i've always seen my dad go on his raging like um raging fits so um i guess yeah that's where i've kind of got it from when i see him rage out and start you're a product of your environment yeah right, exactly so um and yeah that's where it's from i guess
1: mm. and how have your behaviors changed since the episode in terms of offloading your feelings all that kind of stuff have you, have you changed your behavior since oh, it's
2: definitely a lot a lot better than from then um no i still don't have it perfect No, i um i still struggle sometimes to offload uh to my wife um she's usually who, who i offload to um but it's a lot better you know in terms of not um going straight to anger you know and me or bottling it up um so yeah it's definitely a lot better than before mm. it is fascinating isn't it and we've had I mean, mental health is a topic that comes up on this
0: podcast so often mm. as well, um, and particularly within sport because it, that's where it, it comes out, right? Yeah, you know, and, and competition and like you said, uh, talking about pride and ego and not being able to provide and all this sort of stuff. What, why do men not open up? I mean, because you've you, you've become a bit of a sort of trailblazer for for mental health, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, mate. It's, um, I, I wish I knew the answer because you mm. know I'll be out there fixing it. It's quite. Um, common in you know professional athletes how much um you know we bottle things up and we feel like you know there's this stigma around us that you know we, we've got to be macho you know we've got to put on this front um you know because people are looking at us so it's um uh, definitely something that i would love the super league and nRL to um you know work on you know at each club because it's very important
1: mm. i think you touched on it you said pride and ego and i think that's essentially it Mm. um men are too especially in the dressing room as well men are too proud to show any weakness to show that they're vulnerable but it takes enormous courage to kind to tell the story that tim did just now but the more people that do the more people Mm. will listen and the more people that will be they'll they'll seek that help and Mm. they'll learn to kind of manage the feelings better because it's about talking about your feelings and and showing vulnerability because people get in a dark place and and bad things can happen when that when that occurs. So mm. the more people that discuss how they're doing it, the better for me. No,
0: and it's amazing. It didn't get as dark as it, it could do. We've had Callum Watkins on this podcast. So I should yeah. have had some good chats with Callum. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I've read when I was reading your story, Tim, that, that you said, um, I started to doubt if I should be on this earth.
2: Mm. You
0: know, it can't it can't yeah. get more rock bottom than that, can it? No,
2: nah, yeah, it totally can. And I'm glad um, because I think, yeah, it was that time when the ambulance came because um, my wife was saying because we have a balcony and I was just that's when I was saying I was just standing there. Um, and then luckily in time, the um, police and the ambulance got there in time to sedate me because, um, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty rock bottom for me there. How important then is it that your performances are up there and how,
0: how relatable is it to, to what's going on on the pitch? Because, you know, Callum's had a complete turnaround, hasn't he, in his career. He's been playing, uh, you know, he, he sort of had that period, didn't he, Mark, years ago yeah. where he was right at the top and obviously you're never to be like anyone has a dip and a lull and it's has able to get over that. But it, it seems that if, if things are great on the pitch, things are kind of good at home, right?
1: Yeah, well, it, it just, just to put in that it coincided with um, Callum's dark times or his performances on the field and his injury. Mm. So I think it's important for fans to realise that you know if players aren't playing well, or they're injured, or that the the kind of someone's getting the better of them, and they're not getting the best out of themselves, and they're losing every week. Mm. That's that's the the, the lens he can go to with Callum, who, who openly admitted he would plan his suicide after a, mm-hmm. a bad performance. So the the two would coincide so much if you if you're proud of what you do mm. as, a, as a job and a, as a rugby player. If
0: yeah. yeah. fans don't think that, do they? And I, I, should we expect them to think that? Maybe we should, but particularly with Premier League football here, we just sort of treat them as, again, slabs of meat. Sort mm. of like, oh, you know, any kind of mistake on the pitch that they're slammed or whatever. No one thinks that these guys could be going through what you're going through, Tim, at home. They could be had had these issues that have never come to light. You've been very brave and brave enough to speak about what's what's happened. You could have kept that all under the carpet. And, and you know, do, do you see it as the fact that you can help other people who are thinking like this?
2: Yeah, definitely, because like what you said, fans only see what they see, you know, on the rugby pitch. Um, you know whether a player has a bad game that's all they see but they don't know what's leading what's caused that player to lead into you know a bad game um, there could be stuff happening off the field um, you know he could be carrying like a niggling injury um, there's so much to it uh, that fans don't don't know and I think it's important you know that they know we don't go out there to we don't just wake up on game day and be like, oh, I feel like playing shit today. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, it's, that's never in our mind, um, you know, to go out there and perform bad for, for them, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into uh, a player's prep, I guess, um, each, each week. Do you feel in a good place now? Definitely, um, I'm at the stage now well, I finally matured after 30 years. Um, do we, do we, we
0: ever finally mature as humans? <laughs> but I think no, we don't. Know. More immature. Okay, well, I'm like Benjamin Button when it comes to maturity.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I still think I'm 21 sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, now I'm just um, in my head, my mindset is there's more to life than rugby. Mm. And um, that's something my brother's always told me um, when I've, he's been a great mentor for me um throughout my career he's always told me look rugby doesn't run your life there's more to life um, uh than rugby and that's a so that's very true because when i had a year off to work in construction mm. mate those blokes don't even care about rugby like there's mm-hmm. blokes in there who care about their construction business and getting buildings um you know you walk past them they don't even know who you are and they're happy and, right and they're happy of life and it just shows it was a good reality check that um really doesn't run your life there's other things going on that people care about so you need to stop thinking that people care about us um, people who don't even matter um, so now I'm um, if I have a bad game or if we lose um, the first thing I think is just my kids and wife um, you know they kids are the best thing they like they don't judge you for how you played, or you know they're just happy that dad's alright and dad's mm-hmm. home anyway hey, like you know yourself like they see they see you walk in that door you know um, they don't know how bad you played or if you lost, or if you had a great game, they'll cheat you the same. And that's a great reality check for me. Mark's kids do, I tell them how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Particularly yeah. towards the end. They already saw the
0: sort of l- <laughs> dark days at the very end when, in fact, they were very good days when they were. final to a That's really good. You see a psychologist, right? you, have you seen therapists as well? I mean, and I know you've talked about how, how important the role of a psychologist has been. Is that a sports psychologist? Is it?
2: Yeah, so it was um, so when I went to the um, so it was a private hospital um, mental facility. Mm-hmm. It was f- catered for um, professional sporting athletes, army reserve, um, police, fire, f- um, firemen. So it was really it was a really good um, facility that they had. there. So mm-hmm. we got that through um, our private health insurance back when, because everyone has to have it when in NRL so um that was that was awesome mate, my experience there like talking to other you know other um you know, uh, policemen and they were in there too for you know mm. um post-traumatic um stuff and then it was just it was great eye and the, the um tools they gave me there i still use it you know until you know, now it, um, and yeah up until uh that year that whole year i, I was seeing the sport sports side mm. how, how important i know Mark, you, we talked about this loads as well Sports psychologist and
0: you know Dr. Steve Peters when he came in to work with Liverpool Chimp Paradox, mm. you know, he worked with British Cycling Team. The, the amount of people that you think ha- haven't even necessarily struggled with what you've been treating, mm. but um, just in terms of enhancing performance, you know Sir Chris Hoy talks about it with with Steve Peters and so on. But particularly with what you've been through, being able to offload to someone who's not going to judge you and actually just listens is it, crucial, right? In terms of in terms of what you've done over the last three, few years and how you've turned things around.
2: Yeah, I think it's. Um it worked well for me because it was a stranger at first it was tough like i'll be honest because he's a stranger and i was just sitting there like my first session and i was just like um
0: did you hold back you didn't you didn't want to
2: yeah i was holding a lot back and i didn't know how to start off like you know and and he was just like "Mate, just tell me about your day you know tell me what what you've eaten today and and just started with small talk and then before you know i'm finding myself just like offloading my day and, um, you know, what I do training and that to him. And then it's, yeah, it's showing me to be open and vulnerable and it was the best thing ever for me.
0: Isn't it fascinating though? And I assume they went back to sort of your childhood and I'm not saying they were childhood traumas or whatever, but things that you perhaps never unloaded as a kid. And that can, can sort of build up to why you've reacted like you have as an adult.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of things I told him was to do with my childhood and what I seen as a, as a um, kid. And then, yeah, he started going deep into it and, um, and kind of picking out things as to why it's built me to who I am now, and it started, it started to make sense. And it's just crazy, mate. Mm.
0: Well, let's focus on on what's happened over the last two years, though, because it's amazing, really, that you've got from from that position, you know, rock bottom, as you as you described it. Um, you, you're at this stage, take us to the to the construction site, because you're 29 years old, you're still in Australia, Salford hadn't come calling yet. You're working on a building site, you're doing some laboring, and you, and you were just thinking, I'm done with rugby, right?
2: Yeah, well, so that that year I got released to go to Bulldogs because I thought, you know, that's where I started my career. Um, you know, they'll give me a, a lifeline, you know, for the following years. So I went to Bulldogs to finish, finish off that year. And then um, there was about eight to 10 blokes who got told that they're not going to re-sign because it was Trent Barrett who was coming in to take over the club and he didn't want obviously like i said you're getting old you know you're just a meat again and yeah um it wasn't what he wanted for what he wanted from the club and so being told that yeah if you come over we'll reassign you um going from that to being told no, nah, we don't need you anymore and then it was the last month of my pay and i was thinking oh my gosh i i need to find a way to provide for my wife and kids here um it's uh, going to become a reality. I'm not getting paid after that, so was there any interest
1: from other clubs?
2: There was, but it was for training and trial right. so it was like you know to go from being mm. paid pretty well and you know, being a top 25 player and for what I've done for the game, um, you know the eight eight years I was there, to go from that to being offered just a training and trial was kind of a slap in the face. Mm. Um, you know I thought at least deserve deserved like minimum um so it was yeah i was like no nah, i can't you know, afford to take a train on trial um you know especially with kids you know i've got to put food on the table for them so for expensive kids, as kids, well. kids are expensive. you got eight between the two yeah? <laughs> yeah. it's or not like the olden days five, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but,
0: but as you've just explained there everything happens for a reason right i know that's a really cheesy way of looking at things but that that building site taught you probably invaluable lessons
2: yeah 100 percent um so I had nothing come up, and then my mate who's actually over here at whole FC um Joey Lavador he was work, he was the same he didn't get a lot of players were off contract. he didn't get signed, and he was working construction, um bit of laboring and traffic control, and he called me up and goes, um, hey laugh, what are you up to?" I was like, nah nothing man just um you say, up to also <laughs> <up to> <laughs> 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 like nothing brother um just chilling at home lad uh, and then he was like. Do you need a job or anything? I was like, "Yeah, I'll take anything, man." And like, "Oh, um, go and do this. Get your tickets um, to work on a construction site." Um, you know, my boss said uh, he would be happy to take you on. And then went and worked with him um, doing traffic control, a bit of labouring. So
1: talk us through traffic control. Do
2: you stand there with
1: the stop? <laughs> <girl? laughs>
2: it was <laughs> a great wake-up call. Just. Literally, it was, um, yeah, so we're waving in like trucks because we're um, on big building sites that um, the, you know, whatever companies we're building and we'll just wave in, say cement trucks, um, trucks uh, carrying in steel, um, steel for steel fixing. Um, so yeah, we'll just, so we'll be standing on the side there with our walkie talkies and then one we're ready to in, yeah, truck coming in laughing and then I'll walk on, <laughs> wave the lollipop up, like, <laughs> I remember one bloke going past that looks like Tim Lefroy. i like, I put my hard hat down. And I'm like, come on, mate, keep moving. You have moving. a whistle as well. <laughs> nah. For I was just a high-vis uh, singlet. <laughs> and, and, I,
0: and I get it because you said you, you learned so much. It's all my I can see the sort of film being made here of like you, you you know you learnt kind of that you didn't need to play in front of eighty thousand people. But was there a point before you learned those lessons where you thought I've I've you know played in these stadiums and I've been Tim Lafayette in the in the NRL, and here I am turning a, a traffic sign around. Did did that ego take a massive knock when you had to do that?
2: Yeah, definitely. It was um, it was uh, yeah, a big ego check for me because I was thinking, mate, um, you know, I've played this many NRL games. I've played for these clubs. Like, you know, what am I doing here? And mm. Still in good
1: nick, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still play. Yeah,
2: still I still had to um, because shifts will start at six six thirty in the morning, so to get in and it would be like 10 to 12 hour shifts. So the only time I could get my training in was like four in the morning. I'd go to a 24-7 um, gym and you know, do our training there and then go to work from there. So that like that was six days a week I was doing that. And, and did you do that to
1: keep the dream alive? Do you think I need to keep training because an opportunity might arise in the future?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, no, part of me, at first, the first probably two, three months I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool, Um, you know, getting paid weekly, um, you know, there's no pressure of uh, rugby anymore. But then after that, it started to hit me. Um, I'm starting to miss being around that environment. I'm starting to um, think, man, because a lot of people were coming up to me like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, you're only 29 and you're already ready to throw it all away. And it kind of just stuck with me. Uh, That was my boss. It kind of just stuck with me. you know, when people would say that and then I used that um, to, you know, try to keep that dream alive and I started thinking of my my kids again, you know, what kind of legacy do I, do I want to leave them, you know, showing that I gave up on my dream. Um, it's not something I want to leave leave um, them with, you know, their dad you know, giving up on their dream and here I am telling them, don't, don't give up on your dream and you know, I'm throwing it away. So all those little things, um, you know, I kept in the back of my head and that's what kept me going. I love that. It's beautiful.
0: Um so how did the, the Salford move come about from from the construction site because that that
2: has given you a whole new lease of life, right? Yeah, so it's um you know we're like 10 months down of working on the construction site and you know still keeping that dream alive and training um
1: Were you playing anything at this point?
2: So I, throughout the year early in the year I, I was part-time with Parramatta. Right. So I would um go to work and then you know, I'll tell us the supervisor if I can leave early so I can go do my part time training and just trying to balance, you know, that kind of work with um Is that you went know, with Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. with you know, with them with my rugby, it was just too much because I was driving like an hour to go to work and drive another hour to go back because sometimes I'll be working a completely different suburb. So um and I was just noticing it was just like draining me, um, like both mentally and physically, and I had to commit to one, you know, and my pay wasn't as good if I worked only seven hours to compare to 10 to 12 hours. So I had to weigh it up, and uh, I had to give that part-time job um, of rugby um, a break and then pursue construction, and then 10 months in, i go to my agent, I'll go, I wanna give it one more crack. Um, you know, if nothing comes, and then I'll re- officially retire. And then he goes well we're in some luck mate um Salford uh throwing in a you know um a chance for you to go over did you know who Salford were be honest at that stage i actually knew Salford because when i came over here for the 2013 world cup junior soul um oh, he yeah. was he was in the squad yeah. um, with us and he signed with Salford Red Devils and i remember playing a trial um when i think it was 2013 were you guys at Wem uh, at AJ Bell or at the Willows 13 willows
1: wasn't it Uh, no 2013 would have been ajabel yeah because i
2: remember we had a um a trial for samoa against the knights then i remember the crowd was only small but the singing was awesome Mm -hmm. um so junior was there and that's the only way i knew salford um and then yeah they said super league i never um considered coming over over here because you know the kids were settling in their school in australia and but did they all did they all come with you yeah yeah the fact, I
0: mean that that's yeah you realize how much your family love you I know the kids don't have yeah, much choice yeah, but you miss but it with yeah. everything you've been through to so go I want to give it one last crack yeah in Salford on the other side of the world let's leave Sydney but now. his
1: parents did it to him so we thought
2: exactly right it's uh it took a lot of convincing um for my wife because you know her fam, her mum, her sisters her uh, her brother um were there mm. you know her nieces and nephews and she was real close with my family so to take them away from that. Um, you know, There was a lot of going back and forth with the wife, um, you know, with trying to get her over over the yeah. line to to come over and you know, pursue my That's a lot of trust from
0: both sides, isn't it? Because you know you've got to make it work because you're dragging your family across the other side of the world and she's got to believe in you as well.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, once I, I knew if I could get them over and, you know, um, convince her to come over, I'll, I'll reward them because um, that's another thing about working 10 to 12 hours, you know, like every day, Joe, was I wasn't seeing my kids. Um, you know, the simple things as like their birthdays, uh, school drop off, school pick up. Um, mm. You realize, you know, how good we had it. Um, you know, before I went to work construction, like the amount of downtime you, know, you would know um, you get with your families, um, those kind of stuff, right? You can't buy, you know what I mean? And, that was another thing that convinced my wife to come over was the amount of the downtime I get with them. Um it's just those simple things that, you know, I, I get back now is it's pretty awesome. How have Salford helped you rediscover your love for the game? Oh a lot, mate. It's um like I said to you earlier, I, I lost the love um for my NRL career the, the last, you know, 2 to 3 years um um uh, back home and that's kind of what made me, you know, want to just work now and I lost that passion for it. And coming over here um, definitely gave me that love for it. And I found my my passion for the game. um, Yeah, it's it's played a huge role. What
0: were those impressions of Super League? Because we touched on it earlier, every former NRL player we get, Mark says, just, and Paul Vaughan said it, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago, you just can't believe how a small amount of people can make that much much noise and you know the songs that they've got the chance the humor in the in the in the chanting the, the atmosphere the, the ambience everything it's just it does it compare to to the nrl in that sense
2: yeah i think um the yeah they're right up there with the nrl um i think what's better here is the the singing and the chance um i when i hear that um the crowd's singing when i go out there for warm-up and to play the games it just gives you that extra boost and um, and I'm, that's when I'm happy just to you know, give my time you know, for anyone who wants to chat, who's a Salford fan. Like, you know, they, uh, end of the day, those are the people that are um, you know, paying for your wages. You mm. know, those are the people that uh, are turning up for you. So, um, mate, it's awesome in yeah,
1: here, I love it. I'm interested to know what your first thoughts were when you turned up for pre-season. So it's Salford, it's probably zero, a couple of degrees, it's the middle of November, <laughs> the rains coming in sideways the field that you train on is pretty shitty it's <laughs> like really boggy and you've you've left Australia to come and train in that what were your first thoughts for that those first few sessions I
2: hey, uh, so I um because I took our visas a while with the old visa card I turned, turned up, up the first game um, and you had an or Jan like Jan 25th oh. I, I rocked up and oh. then um oh. And the boys were like, they were into me. Like, I didn't even know them. They were already into me. Like, oh, the old Good. visa, eh? The old, the old visa is <laughs> oh, not ready. And I was like, um, anyway, I rocked up and it was, my. I was to, to training in a beanie, a jacket, uh, tracksuit pants, and I'm running out there and the boys are just laughing at me. They're wearing shorts, um, you know, just long sleeves. And I'm like... I'm looking at Ken, because Ken, I've been talking to Ken CEO in the lead up to coming over here. Um, I've been asking Ken, Chris and Junior Soul you know, what's it like? Because, you know, obviously going back to the convincing part to you know, really sell it to my wife, sell this dream. She uh, the trap, it's right near the trap the Centre. <laughs> yeah, and I and, uh, looked at Ken and I was like, Uh, where's the sun mate where's the sun that you promised me it was we we
0: get sun in a little box you put two (laughs) coins in the thing and and i ran on the
2: pitch and the next day my groins my calves were sore and rosie tells me i'm gonna need you to play in this trial this week because the following week is when the season starts so i played in that trial against Warrington, and i i felt like a bit hit by a bus (laughs) i was sore man did you play first game of the season yeah against did Cass. It was yeah. So
1: you've been in the country. So all the boys had done a full long pre-season yeah. for 3 months. <laughs> yeah. You turn up 2 weeks before the first game. Yeah, yeah. And straight I, in.
2: Straight in, played half a game in Warren's Warren trial and then the following week the season kicked off against Cass. I'm
1: surprised the boys you. <laughs> like <Yeah>. <laughs> <who> <laughs> place did you. He like. was
2: supposed to start that week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was still learning the boys' names and some of the boys some of the boys. Yeah, yeah. mate. Hey, oh. hey, bro. Hey, bro, hey, bro, Yeah, yeah, early ball bro. Yes, brother, i here. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know any of the plays, roles uh, Rose was like, mate, just do your job and just give him the ball. Yeah, you'll get better as each game's um go. And yeah. I remember specifically I think it was round three against Toulouse, it was at AJ Bell. And mate, we had a hurricane hail storm, mm-hmm. mate, tornado hit the in the warm up. The the hail was going like on an angle and I was just standing behind a post like this, just hitting my legs. I'm looking at <laughs> Ken and all the boys are running around like it's normal and I'm looking at Ken, I'm like, This is not normal. Get me off this field, I'm going into hyperthermia over here. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. like yeah, like ten seasons in one game, I was just yeah, it was a good memory of that. But it
0: clicked so quickly for you, didn't it? It just seemed from the outside the perfect fit. You were in the Dream Team last year, probably again, let's face it. And and your relationship with Joe Burgess, describe that one. It just seems like, like telepathic.
2: Yeah, well, because um, Sarge, he was a left center, because he's a left center specialist. Um, he was a left center at that time. And then so Rosie said, oh, look, um, we're going to put Sarge there. And when Cal comes back, he'll play right center. And I go, Yeah, mate, I'm just happy I'm happy to um play anywhere at this point, you know, I'm happy to be here running around. You know, oh sweet. So anyways, I think, um, after the first two games I was playing in the right centre, I think Sarge got suspended. Um, and then I go to him, Oh, because he was gonna put D on on the left centre. Yeah. Um, and I go, Oh, joking I can have a crack at left centre. Um uh, that's where I, I prefer, in a way. And then when Sarge comes back, um, you can put him back there, and he goes, "Oh yeah, sweet then." And then played in the lesson, and um, I just loved it then. From there, me and Joe just kind of clicked. Mm. Um, it helps that he's fast too, because <laughs> I got no speed on me.
0: <laughs> still have, I think. Have you always been the king of the offload? Was that just something that we've picked up on now in
2: Super League? Were you doing that at the Bulldogs? Uh, at Dragons, I was. I think it was year 2017 uh, or 18, I um, finished second in offloads behind Mighty Tapau at the end of the season. So I, I knew I always had it in me, but. Um, what do they call it? It's got a nickname over here, isn't it? Your something pass, I can't remember. Flick was, Pass. Flick Pass, a yeah, fl- but,
0: but, but, but like that's, that's <laughs> become your thing, right? And, and uh, you're up there in those charts in Super League as well?
2: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of, um, again, you would have played with Benji Marshall right oh, big big friend yeah, yeah yeah, he is, yeah. so his his school level was like yeah. crazy a eh? a few things actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah so as a kid in high school I, I used to watch him and he had the flick um going in there and mark Gasnier, um these were players yeah, that i kind of looked up to that, um i wanted to be like mm. and that's where i kind of got it and, and paul roly you mentioned his name there but how crucial has he been in this renaissance for you oh mate he's been he's been crucial um he's i'll probably Name is one of the best coaches that's um, I've been under, and that's t- uh, purely because he allows me just to be myself and um, not feel like a robot. Because um, that's it can get like that. You would know, Mark, um, you know, a bit structural too much back at NRLA, eh? like um, you, where you just kind of had to stay in your lane and not travel outside it and be a robot. Um, and that's how I felt back towards my end of my NRL career. And coming over here, Rosey's just made me allowed me to travel where I want to travel, um, you know, and it's, yeah. Like expressing said, yourself, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, expressing myself and yeah, just um, rather than trying to work on your weaknesses, mm. um, keep building your strengths.
1: I think think Salford is the perfect club for your style of play as well, because you like early ball. And for the last two seasons, Salford have been the most expansive team, the best team to watch in terms of going east to west, playing coast to coast, and just playing early ball from their own half, mm playing that expensive style. Um, and when you've got, you know, Brearley, Snead, Brodie Croft, who, who, who wanna give their outside backs early ball, it's perfect f- for this guy. And when I first saw him play for Salford, he reminded me a lot of Chante Happy. Mm. He was at Bradford, and him and Vianna had a great understanding. But I think when you've got a big man who plays on the fringes, who's got that bit of footwork, who's got that flick pass in them, it's so hard for defenses to read what they're gonna do because there's they can hit you in so many different ways. and um yeah, I'd never be a winger but if I was Joe Burgess I'd be, you know, licking my lips every time I play outside this guy because he's <laughs> gonna score a heap of tries and um it's it's been great to watch him for the last couple of Not seasons. Not just licking the lips,
0: licking Tim maybe as well. Yeah, <laughs> licking Tim, <laughs> licking yeah. Tim's lips. Whatever it takes, licking Tim's lips and and yeah. whatever Tim Tim wants licked. You know, uh. To keep those tries coming. Yeah. Um look, we we have gotta finish really with talking about probably I mean, the greatest thing we're gonna talk about over the, the last hour and a half is the World Cup because You, at this stage, already played in the World Cup in 2013 and 2017, right? So, you know, hugely experienced on the international stage. But you're at home and you're watching Samoa get battered by England. Mm. And, you know, you're probably still thinking, oh, I want a piece of that. I'd love a slice of, you know, one last dance in a Samoa shirt. You then get called up. Did did you? There were so many injuries, weren't there, from that first game. Were were you expecting to be in the picture? Were you just thinking, I'm going to watch that whole World Cup at home with the popcorn?
2: Yeah, it's funny that um because... like you know coming over here making my decision to come over here i was just playing um a few games now and a few games in and i was asking um oh where's the world cup um just you know so i can watch and the boys like oh it's over here and i was just i went home and i chuckled to uh, had a laugh to my missus um it would be funny like you know if i I was to play in this world cup eh, because it's over here we just laughed about it Mm. this was early in the year anyways fast forward and then to that game um you know, I was excited to watch that game because I was like, oh, man, they got a great team here, so all, Um The boys are going to go well here. Um, you know, they've hyped them up real well for this game. It's the opening game. Um, you know, we've got a few of the GF players in there, you know, in the NRL. So I was excited watching at home. You know, I had my beer in my hand. Um, and then before you know it, the boys are getting towed up and I'm just... I'm going into a rage and my kids are looking at me and my wife's like, babe, they probably think you're having a mental breakdown. <laughs> <Calm> <laughs> and up. I'm like, oh, no, daddy's all right, daddy's all right. This is just daddy being passionate about his country. <laughs> and, yeah, they got absolutely, um, you know, towed up by got the, yeah, the English boys. And at St James's Park, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that was Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just watching that, I was just like, you know, getting frustrated and I was like, oh, man. And then seeing the injuries to the outside backs, yes. And then I, w- I went to sleep because I was uh, a bit drunk and um, <laughs> upset. <laughs> 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 and I went to sleep anyway, slept it off. And then um, and I thought I went to sleep. I thought I had a dream that the coach messaged me, and <laughs> and I woke up the next morning and I go, oh, babe, I had this message. I had this dream that um, someone messaged me that I was going into cab. And then I went and grabbed my phone and I looked and it was a missed call from Matt Parrish <laughs> <laughs> and a message. Uh, hey mate, are, are you around? <laughs> are you around town, mate? Uh, we could um, use, you, use you to come into the camp. Uh, we've had a few injuries.
0: Oh, so you manifested this in a dream? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, I amazing. must have seen it, but I was too drunk and you know, right. from, from, from watching the game. you dreamt it true. <laughs> yeah, incredible. so you yeah, have manifest. Yeah. Getting to manifest today, right, it helps it a lot. On <laughs> <my Irish. laughs> yeah. Incredible. So, literally the next day, y-
0: you were off and what? Picking up your kitten? And, and yeah, so, he so he rang Kenny. So, guess what? And so he said, he,
2: guess what? Because uh, um, it was a winger in the centre, and he's um, called me, and I'll go, because um, I was too hungover to too hungover, too drive. I was like, oh, do you reckon I could use this last day to spend with my family? Um, and then I'll come in on Monday. And like, yeah, that's fine, mate. That's, my, that's fine. And then I was like, oh, um, you know, um, Kenny's around too. You know, I've seen that we've lost the wingo. Um, yeah, Kenny's around too in the area. He's not going anywhere. He's like, oh, yeah, can you shoot me his number? So anyway, I didn't know if Kenny got selected or not. And then um, I get a message from Kenny. He was like, Oos, are you, are you in the squad? I was like, yeah, Oos, yeah, are you? And he was like, yeah yeah like let's go <laughs> <laughs> and then um anyway we're driving like he he come picked me up and we're driving to doncaster and um we're just laughing to each other we're like how good is this like man two old veterans, so yeah, like, two veterans the old just, boys. yeah the old boys um going to camp and we just because it was like a long drive there too we just couldn't believe our luck
0: like a seed from bad boys driving towards (laughs) (laughs) so you then you then arrive in camp you're straight into the team you know you're bringing all that experience that you've you've had over two world cups as well how how did that bunch of players and i know a lot of them had just been put together and they'd hardly had any training sessions ahead of that england morning Mm. but how does a team that's on its ass then get to the final and turn things around in the way that they did
2: yeah, mate. I was asking myself that question too. Like, how's this the same team? You know, that got absolutely pumped from England, um, and yeah, it's just it's surreal. Like, it's uh, down to you, is what you're saying, yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I mean to um, you know, pump myself up, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's crazy, man. Because even when in camp, if you look at the amount of talent that's in there. And you think, like, how's this the same team in round one? You know? I heard
1: a rumour that when they first arrived, they were enjoying themselves maybe a bit too much. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> And then they played awful. England played amazing. And then as the tournament went on, England probably standards dropped a little bit. Mm. And then Samoa got better and better each week. They probably... Stayed away from the KFC <laughs> and the nightlife of Manchester yeah. for a few weeks. A
2: couple of old veterans come into the squad, <laughs> some old bring heads. a bit of stardust. <laughs> yeah. Next
0: minute, they're in the final. You, yeah. you just need a few weeks in Doncaster, don't you? That's what. Yeah, what's yeah, yeah of, right. A bit in of middle of nowhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Donny, <laughs> right.
0: And you had to be fair, you did have the Rock cheering you on, which is incredible.
2: Yeah, that was pretty good. Like you start seeing these little celebrities, or not little, but like those. I mean, he's probably the biggest celebrity in the yeah, world. Yeah, and he? then you <laughs> know um, tour, he's the Dolphins quarterback in yeah. NFL um oh he just, was he was behind his always yeah he? yeah so like you have all these people getting amongst them and you're looking at the parades that's going on back home that's cool to um, see a video of the rock there with this Samoa shirt yeah so, that, that, on, that was pretty awesome like um when they were saying I was like nah no way and then they showed us the you footage you slide
1: into his dms afterwards and go oh, cheers Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah I, I was I, um I definitely did <laughs> even the other guys they left us on scene. They left me on scene, but that's all right. Trying to get some new Under Armour trainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something, something wrong. Yeah. But, but also during this run then to
0: the final, you become Samoa's most capped player.
2: Yeah, I I, um, I I did not know that until, yeah, they said, oh, you know, you're like two games away from being the most capped. And for me, I was just um, happy to be there and, you know, just take it game by game. Um, at first, I thought me and Ken like, would we just go in to make the numbers at training. Um, you know, little I know coach that week, he goes, oh, I need you to play, um, you know. Um, Isaac isn't well, his shoulders, you know, gone for the tournament. So you know, now to get that around my head, I had to prepare like I'm playing each week mm. and it was pretty cool. That's a hell of an honour though,
0: isn't it? And again,
2: when we think about
0: this chat that we've just had going full circle back to the, the shack, if I can call it that, with the banana lease up your ass. Yeah. To suddenly, you know, representing <laughs> that country more than anyone in that sport. And given what you'd been through as well, to be pulling on that shirt and, and heading towards a to World Cup final, it, it's, it's quite unbelievable, really. It's, it's an unbelievable story. Probably you don't even appreciate how incredible it is.
2: No, nah, it's, you know, um, I have nights where I'm just like laying there and I think of you know, that moment of being that kid born in a small island and humble beginnings. Um, you know to going into you know being the most captain to where I am now it's um sometimes i got to pinch myself because it's I think to put on that blue jersey and you know to um, make history with that um that squad it's one of the best achievements in my um rugby career mm.
0: fucking golden point extra time mark
1: I was at the game as well
0: well yeah the Emirates yeah I went down to see your mates George was playing mm. hey, it was ruined our day didn't he Tim Lafayette, two tries, mm. pathetic. Yeah, good <laughs> tries, <I laughs> like. well, What was, <laughs> was that day like?
2: No, it was, yeah, that's probably the best in my career. Like, um, the atmosphere itself, like, the like, again, yeah. like, you know, you have a few thousands of A.J. Bell singing, imagine, Emirates, like, um, you know, you're the underdog. you'd have watched Arsenal
0: games there on the telly and things over the years. Yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah, that, that stadium, man, it's so cool. Even the change rooms, like, the lights underneath, it's, um, and we're in the away change rooms. I don't know what the home ones are like. It was just um, unbelievable, like, you know, it was a dream come true and to be the underdogs and to do that, um, it was something special from from the boys.
0: Was was that the moment that you thought Tim Laffey is back with everything that you've been through to suddenly be playing in a World Cup semi-final, taking your team with two tries into a World Cup final and and then obviously this this fantastic Super League career that you've you've got going as well and and still time on the clock, right? At 30 at that stage.
2: Yeah, it was um, the cherry on top uh, to what um, I see as probably one of my best years in my career. Um, You know, to finish off like that with Salford and then go into um, the World Cup squad and finish off the way we did. It's um, definitely the icing on the cake for me. It's definitely Mm. up there.
0: Obviously, didn't win the final, but incredible achievement to get there and to to have that experience of playing in the World Cup final. What do you you think that's done for rugby in Samar?
2: Oh, I think it's open not just for Samoa but um you know for those other teams like Fiji, Tonga. Um, I think it's opened up um gates for uh, those players that are back home and over here, because um, it just evens up the international game and it will make it so much more competitive, um, you know, going forward. It's gonna make those young ones wanna play for their, you know, um the the countries that they select.
0: Mm. What next then for for Tim Lafai? You signed a new deal, didn't you? Salford new three-year deal last year. So you got two more years.
2: Yeah, so two more years. Wait, two more years after this. Yeah, two more years after this. Oh <laughs> <Right>, uh, <again. laughs> had to count. That, <laughs> two, two more years. Two after three years. Three it's so certain. Yeah, I'm saying the same <laughs> thing. <song, team. Yeah. laughs> two more years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two more years after this. <laughs> again, it took a lot of convincing the wife. <laughs> um... Yeah. To. Um, do you show all the contracts on that yeah. point? <laughs> <Just or>? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Straight to <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, okay. we'll but you're not done. This.
0: You're 31, right? Yeah. That's yeah. You still. I know. I know. You've you've had a lot on the clock in terms of you know emotions and so on. But but you've got three four years in the locker, yeah? yeah. Yeah. Look. um Move I, into the back row. I, so after these
2: two years, I'm hoping. So I'll, I'll get the snip after this, because like, I'm hoping, yeah, and then she can you know, um, find like a little hobby over here. Cause, I'll let you know how then, when I it, have mine yeah, done. Yeah, we can do it together. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I've got nothing to snip. <laughs> hopefully, after <A> these, <laughs> hopefully after these two years, um, yeah, I would love to, you know, seeing how I'm going, um, you know, p- probably play another year or two. Um, like I said, I'm loving over here, the yeah. atmosphere, the people, and. And the game itself—you can see that
0: mark on his face, can't you? And it, well, it's just the most incredible turnaround story, really. Yeah. I think it's quite inspirational for a lot of people to listen to I'll, Tim's journey.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that even with no future in sight, really, for for extending his career, working on a building site, he was still getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go and work out and mm-hmm. just keep that possibility alive. If if the the opportunity came, and it's a lot of um, a lot of people could could heed that advice and take lessons from, from, his, from Tim's um, outlook on his career because you never know when, it's, when it might or might not end and if you keep, keep believing and keep persevering with something amazing things can happen and playing in a World Cup final for, for your country and playing so
0: well over here is, is just exactly what it deserves. Mm, and that transcends, Tim, doesn't it? You don't have to be listening to this and be a sportsman or a sportsperson or a sportswoman. You could be in, in any walk of life. Don't, don't give up because it sounds cheesy and it sounds an Americanism, doesn't it? But, mm. but you are the walking proof of that.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, it sounds cliche, but you know, don't give up on your dreams. Um, you know, you have you have your doubts and people doubting you and you know, outside noise, but um, you control what you can control. And if you have something you truly believe in and um, you want in life, um, you know, you're holding yourself back. Don't let you know, anyone else hold you back and uh, go on and pursue it because you're never too old or too young to um, follow that dream. Love it, mate. Love Look at that. that what, what a, a message to finish with I'm um, going to walk out of here 10 foot tall uh, yeah. to tall <laughs> I'm going to go and join the NRL I think
0: I could play again yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Come I'm going yeah, <laughs> to get in the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning do some calf raises. what the
0: 10k run was about that was, <laughs> was it comeback it's so for a reason. you so didn't it. know what the reason was tell Rolls I'm coming back yeah, and I let you beat me because I th- you know. then yeah. you're thinking like Conference I'm quick I'm quick it's all four into place
1: get me out of the house I don't have to look after all the kids
0: I'm coming back love it watch Tim, in all seriousness, mate, thank you so much for for coming in because you know you don't have to sit here with two complete strangers in a uh, musty room. Would you describe it? It's quite quite warm in here, isn't it? Mm. Sticky on a sort of early Som-ish. summer evening at Lancashire <laughs> Cricket Club. You're probably thinking, "What am I doing?" But to to be so honest and so open, um, and, and and again, this this sounds sort of cheesy, but I think there will be people listening think that, that you could have helped, and that's all we can do, right? Two idiots sat here and. And you, you work the idiot, Mark, Me and Mark are the idiots, yeah, me,
2: me, me. so I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, nah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Like, again, you know, if I can help anyone who's watching in any way, where it's one 100. anyone can
0: anyone slide into your DMs? Is that what
2: you're saying? That's you? what I'm saying, <laughs> mate. If you mental health, uh, mm. rugby, um, you, you let me know. I've been there, seen it all. Well, really.
1: it's all seriousness, Dan Sargenson, who I played with, you played with, is he's actively seeking to help people with. Any struggles they're going through at the minute? I think he's quite open with
2: mm. having yeah, chats. I was, I was actually talking with Sarge like last week and we were talking on this topic about mental health and mm. he's um, he's looking to do some great work in there and I told him, if you need me for anything, I'm, I'm happy to help. Yeah. Old man. And we, we've
0: had Dan on the podcast as well. I think even just the conversations that you know we've had with yourself, with Dan and, we, and with, uh, with Callum Watkins mm. can be a game changer for people and, and that's really important. So powerful stuff. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much. Um, there we go. You can listen again, you can Great watch episode. again on YouTube. What was wasn't it, wasn't Such it? Such a good episode. Wasn't it, Mark? Can it. You, you said it. a few words well. You're really yeah, picking, bit, uh, yeah, picking yeah, up it, on those Keep words. it humble, eh? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> go and have a listen Adrian. back. Go and have a click back and, um, and, and <laughs> listen to what we've done this season. The season's gone by. Uh, give us a review as well, which is always nice. Give us a follow on Twitter, social media, at Out of Your RL. Uh, go and listen to Adrian Morley. Go and listen to who else do we have marked this season? Paul Wellens. Carl Fitzpatrick. Great. Uh, Paul Wellens was fantastic, he was the first guest we had this season, so if you haven't listened to that, go and have a little listen, get our likes and follows up, because that's what keeps us in the business, and we will see you in a couple of weeks with a couple of new guests, Mark, are you excited? Oh yeah. Yeah, so am I, see you later.